What sort of people ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness? When I came from Brazil to Berkeley for liturgical studies, I crossed the equator dreaming of exploring the theme of embodiment in community worship. To my surprise, the school I went was not that interested in embodiment in liturgy, was not so Berkeleyish as I expected. However, I had the opportunity to go to the Franciscan School of Theology and the professor of liturgics, Mary McGann, she was the person who helped me to survive the dryness of our Episcopalian taciturnity. <laughs> I recall one morning when I came to class and Prof Professor Mary surprised us with the following question. She asked, does the gospel change the culture or does the culture change the gospel? Today, at the beginning of the first Bible reading, we hear the question, what sort of people ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness? The reading, the psalm, are such a big push into the season of Lent, except we are not just yet there. Just not yet. My brain, my body, my culture is saying, Sam, it's carnival. <laughs> it's not Lent yet. It's such an interesting coincidence that we are here celebrating our diversity, our cultural diversity, and not yet talking about carnival. But here, listening biblical texts that are already used in penitential language. We heard about use the ashes or a call to a life of godliness. Except, what if our God is the God of the dance? And yep, I'm putting my cultural lenses to address today's gospel, and I would be lost if I stopped believing that culture can't reshape the gospel. I grew up in Brazil, a country that, as you probably know, celebrates carnival with intensity. <laughs> and the word and the day carnival in Brazil has many definitions. It depends where you are, right? is in essence is folia. Folia doesn't translate well into English. Um, I think the closest translation means joy making or overflowing joy. It overflows in Brazil for almost a week non-stop. Day after day, dancing and listening the rhythm. But there is another type of carnival that teaches me a deeper lesson. And equally fascinating is the Carnival of Venice. 
Um, there is a French poet, and I may not pronounce well his name, um, Gaston Bachelard. Gaston Bachelard. He was fascinated by the idea of masks. He even wrote an essay that says, before the object mask was created to cover our face, the masks were already in entities inside of each one of us in our psyche. So every time we look to our face in the mirror, we can observe that face hides a secret. And it's known from ancient times that the word persona comes from Latin and means mask for theater, for the stage. <clears throat> and you know what's necessary when you have a theater? If you have a theater, a theater requires audience, a public. There is no theater without people to watch the drama. That said, the personas, the masks are to be used for others. And people come to the theater to see the masks, to see the personage, the personification of the actors. The public isn't interested in the true face. It's not interested in the true person. They want to see the personification. They have their own preconception of what their of what the other is. To accept that life is a constant carnival is to recognize that we go through life with layers and layers of masks. Some are imposed by others and some are imposed by ourselves. However, not everybody wears a mask. Adults are constantly surprised by little children, and sometimes even afraid of little children's comments. They have very honest comments. And that's because they haven't yet learned that the societies we live are schools of denial. Our societies teach us to deny our humanity. We are taught that we need to be strong, powerful, and right all the time. The idea of success introduced by the society in which we live denies our humanity. It does not allow us to be too vulnerable. We can be a little, but not too much, or too kind, or too loving. To drop the mask is to learn to love. Have you ever noticed that when you are in love, I mean when you are truly in love, you become vulnerable? You share your stories with your beloved, you lower your defenses, you reveal your real face. And that's because you want the object of your love to know who you truly are. And perhaps that's why St. Paul affirms in his letter to the Corinthians that one day we will see God 
face to face. He says, for now we see but a dim reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Meaning, we will drop our masks and we will be just like children again. And God will recognize us. And we will recognize love in the most pure revelation. And then, then we will be in a state of holiness and godliness. So we don't need to wait for Lent to experience holiness and godliness because we have inside our own bodies and minds the key to unlock that experience. Replacing our own masks with our true faces. This last week, I started reading a new book that's helping me with this exercise of removing the masks. The book's called Becoming Who You Are, Insights of the True Self from Thomas Merton and Other Saints. And the book begins with an affirmation of the monk that says, for me, to be a saint means to be myself. So before you receive ashes upon your forehead tomorrow, find a mirror, look at the reflection, and ask yourself who you are. Or you can go deeper and ask, where are you? Or perhaps, how have you been? So don't go to church to receive the ashes tomorrow without that exercise. Don't begin this Lent wearing the masks others have imposed on you. But find yourself so you can truly be on a journey with Christ to Calvary and be with Christ in the morning of a resurrection.